Welcome to the Wander Learn Podcast. I'm your host, France Tapon. In this episode, I interview Matt Favero. He is the Director of Marketing, the VP of Marketing. He's the marketing guru at ZPAX. ZPAX is a premier maker of ultra lightweight backpacking gear. I adore this company. Every product they make is freaking amazing. If you ever want to know what it's like and what's going on behind the scenes at ZPAX, you definitely want to enjoy this episode. This episode was sponsored by Tour Radar. Have you ever thought about going on a life-changing adventure and yet you just don't want to deal with the planning and figuring out the logistics and all that stuff? Well, this is your chance. All you got to do is go to Tour Radar, tell them what your travel style is like, what's your travel preferences, where you want to go or anything like that. And then Tour Radar will scan through tens of thousands of tours and find the ones that are best fitting for you, your budget, and your desires. Go to tourradar.com slash wanderlearn to have your chance to win an amazing travel contest. I, I was born in Connecticut, but I was basically raised in Florida uh, for the most part. And, uh, you know, I started getting into backpacking in general, not, not particularly ultralight backpacking, but just backpacking in general. And uh, one of my buddies kept pushing me towards ultralight and he was like, Hey, you got to check out this website, uh, Z packs. And this was, you know, 2008, 2009. Um, you know, at the time it was just Joe out in, in New York working out of his, uh, kitchen table after work. You know, I started in the, um, you know, in the garage with Joe and Cheryl nine and a half years ago. And now we've got like 140 employees and, you know, we're shipping out orders all over the world every day. And it's just, it's been a heck of a ride. Let's put it that That's way. That's phenomenal. That's phenomenal. Congratulations on, on enjoying that ride. That must be uh, incredible. Now, but I, I, there's two things that I have, uh, two questions I have, because I always feel sorry for people in Florida for two reasons. <laughs> Number one, hanging chads. You know, you got to deal with that every day <laughs> or every election, should I say? Yeah, <laughs> right. yes. um, so you have to deal with those elections and the hanging chads. But the second thing is you guys have no mountains. We have what? No mountains. No mountains. So how do, how do you get into how do you get into backpacking in Florida of all places? I mean, I can see water sports, but backpacking. Yeah, um, it's a common it's a common uh, misconception that we get. You know, uh, I think really. I mean, I I could maybe see how I could climb up to the top of the Six Flag Resorts or getting to the top of you know some Disney ride instead of saying no no I don't want to take the machine ride up to the top of the roller coaster I'll walk up to the top of the roller coaster that's where you get your mountains but yeah and I, I think I guess part of it, part of this is probably us trying to convince or fool ourselves to some degree you know <laughs> but I mean most of us fell in love with hiking in mountains or you know or at least rolling hills or something, you know, but uh, I think my personal experience has been over time, I've realized that hiking is the act of walking, (laughs) you know, really at the end of the day, it's walking. Right. And, um, you know, yes, up on a mountain, you get a better view or more water sources and waterfalls and streams. But the, the long periods of walking and carrying everything and camping and all that stuff, like the Florida trail um, I, you know, I'm going to go on my promotional video here. Uh, so the, the Florida trail, it has more different ecosystems than any other national scenic hiking trail in the country. You're going to see more variety. You're going to see more wildlife. You're going to experience more on the Florida trail than you would on any of the other big trails. Yes. You may get better views from time to time on the Appalachian trail when you're not walking in a green tunnel, but 
you know, uh, and you know, there's trail towns and there's, there's, you know, there's obviously things that alert people to these big trails, but I mean, you think about it just wildlife wise. when you, when you're looking at Florida, it's like, what does, what doesn't Florida have that everywhere else does? I mean, we basically have almost everything. I mean, we got, you know, the Everglades, I know it's, it's, uh, you got alligators, but you also, uh, the Everglades is one of the few places where crocodiles and alligators exist together, which is terrifying to people who have to hike through it. Um, there's a python epidemic. <laughs> epidemic. You're really selling me hard here. Yeah. Coy- coyotes have made their, all the, their way all the way to South Florida. You've got deer, you've got bear, you've got panthers, you've got, you know, I mean, all kinds of different, more birds than you'll see anywhere else. And it's like, so really when you're talking about hiking for me when i think about it it's about enjoying nature and you really get a lot more variety when you hike in florida than you do anywhere else now you could make a valid argument that the high points of hiking in these other places are higher highs but i mean i think consistently if you're not walking on a on a road walk section of the florida trail you're getting more you know Okay, very interesting. I had never thought of Florida that way, and I'm guilty of of not giving it a a good chance. Um, Now, when you first joined ZPAX, what were some of the things that were completely unexpected? As you know, obviously, sewing, the concept of sewing was unexpected challenge from the beginning. But any other things that kind of that that people who are also like you thinking about maybe I would like to join a backpacking company because i love backpacking so i want to join a a backpacking company what what would you say to them Uh, well i think when i initially started at z-packs the use of uh dyneema composite fabrics which used to be back then called cuban fiber was still relatively new and we were actually one of the first companies to really make not necessarily use it which we were but we were one of the, the very first companies to make the commitment to using it as a, as our primary fabric. Right. And I, I was that. really, yeah. I was really surprised at how somebody could pay so much money for a tent that looked kind of like a Walmart bag. You know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> right. we use a clear white uh, uh, DCF for, for the most part on a lot of the stuff. And so like when you saw it kind of crumpled up and the way it, it just looked like a giant like Walmart bag, you know, and, uh, and just For $400. Think, yeah. Yeah. And just, <laughs> just to think like, man, cause I couldn't afford it back then either. You know, I was like, uh, man, I'm really surprised that people are willing to spend the money and, and really, cause back then it still wasn't proven yet, you know, mm-hmm. and experiment with it. We were really dealing with our core customer was really early adopters of like cutting edge, uh, you know, technology when it came to the hiking and camping, you know, aspect. And so I was just kind of surprised at the uh, investment people were willing to make at that point. When I hiked the Appala- uh, Continental Divide Trail, I was, it was 2007. I, I did have a Cuban fiber um, tarp. And I remember back then it was like cutting, cutting edge. Yeah, yeah. In 2007. Exactly. It was like, what the hell? But it was crazy light, but it didn't look like, I was like, really? This thing is $300? <laughs> well, I mean, and then uh, aside from price, uh, how much faith could you have in that it would work and last and not right. tear apart, you know? And it was, like I said, it was so early in the game, especially 2007 was very early in the game for these fabrics. And so just there wasn't social proof yet, 
You know, yeah, I mean, I I had a pre-production model. That's what they gave me. They gave me yeah. like, well, we're not we're not ready for this, but hey, go ahead, Francis. Good luck with this. And actually, it worked great. I yeah. enjoyed it. It was it was a phenomenal uh, tarp, and it, it, the technology worked well. Um, what about? I know you're in the marketing department of ZPAX and not in the the um, design department, but the key thing I think that a lot of people struggle with when regarding lightweight backpacking is to trade off between ruggedness and weight. So how do you, how does ZPAX approach that issue? I mean, luckily at at the beginning and, you know, still happens today uh, quite a bit. We do have a lot of real world experience. So we, we are doing a lot of testing ourselves and like putting it through the motions ourselves when we have ideas. But at this point, I mean, you know, next year is going to be 15 years of 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 th- this company existing and that's you know you know joe's triple crowner and more you know i've got thousands and thousands of miles there's plenty of people who in this shop who have thousands and thousands of miles under their belt so we have the experience of producing the, this gear and putting it to the test ourselves and then we have customer feedback 15 years of it at this point to see where failure points were, what what needed adjustment, this, that, and the other. So at this point, we're pretty locked in in terms of knowing what these technical fabrics can do, knowing how to reinforce them. You know, basically, we found that, in, in our opinion, obviously, right? We found that sweet spot between, you know, uh, weight and function. Because at the end of the day, if it does, like we talk about uh, how rugged it is, if you can't go out and do a through hike with it and make it to the end, then, then it doesn't, you know, pass, pass muster. Right. I mean, that's really every single thing we make, even though the majority of the people who buy from us probably aren't going to complete a through hike, the, the, everything we make is designed to withstand a through hike. And that's really, at this point, we've got enough customers and enough real world experience ourselves to kind of find that sweet spot between weight and functionality. When I started backpacking in 2000, uh, it was I was working a lot with Go Light and Go Light, and then eventually Gossamer Gear both followed a kind of similar trajectory, where they began with super ultralight fabric and technology, and then they realized that customers are not always good at babying these delicate products, and they probably got upset customers who say, "Hey, this thing only lasted a month or a week, you know, or just a one hike for that matter, depending on how rough they are with the gear." And then as a result, I think Go Light and Gossamer Gear both started toughening up their um, gear. So how has ZPAX done over the years with regard to that phenomenon? Has it affected you guys as well? Yeah, uh, 100%. 100%. I mean, I think we're really talking about a few different aspects in that one question, right? Um, and it, being in the marketing department, actually, like a lot of that those concepts fall on me right is the hardest thing right now that we have to deal with especially now that we're getting more play on the internet and there's more reviews and and like our duplex tent is like you know considered you know the long distance hiking tent at this point right Mm -hmm. is we're getting a lot of people coming to us who i would say aren't ready for ultralight um and at the end of the day you know it's like they don't understand they have an expectation, but they don't understand the limitations of what the fabric, uh, what the fabrics are and what, and what the product is. So, you know, it needs to be 
the, the customer needs to have a frame of reference. And uh, I, I, there's an analogy. There's a girl who works here. Actually, she's, uh, she's a woman who works here. She's, in, she's the head of production, right? And so I, the, the, a good analogy is what happened to her. When she turned 16, her parents bought her a Mustang. She had it three days before she wrecked it. You know why? Because she wasn't ready for something so powerful or something that requ it required experience and knowledge. You know what I'm saying? She started, she started off with a beat up Toyota Camry, you know? And it's like, that's like the same thing as like your first backpack shouldn't be an ultralight backpack for most people, right? Some, you can get away with it, but like you should figure out what you like and what you don't like and how hard you on, are on gear or not before you venture into some more of the technical stuff. So that's a big issue that we have. Um, you know, the second issue is, it's not really an issue. It's the second thing we've really learned is like I was saying, over 15 years of experience, we've, we've pushed these fabrics to their, to their breaking point. We know what weight fabric is right for which type of application. And, but we've had to make changes, right? Um, we used to offer a super minimalist backpack called the Zero, right? It was made out of a 1.43 ounce per square yard DCF. Um, if you were really, really gentle with your material, with your, your gear, you could get a through hike out of it. The vast majority of people aren't delicate enough with it. So, you know, after fixing so many and seeing the wear on so many for a few years, we had to stop selling it in that weight and move up to a thicker weight, right? There was a minor weight penalty, but whatever, the, the pack is still super light. And now, We've replaced it with our Nero backpack, which is basically just the most popular features on the Nero in a heavier material, slightly heavier. But now we we don't have those issues anymore. So it's it's a real mix of trying to educate the customers on what the expectations are and target the customer, the right customers, and then also make sure that you have your materials dialed in. So there there's there there's a that tricky thing that you, you're mentioning, it's basically what happened to Go Light and Gossamer Gear, like you said. Um, we've experienced that a little bit, but I don't think we're, I think we've found basically that sweet spot at this point. I don't, there's not much left to do in terms of creating more durability, you know? Right. Uh, it is, it definitely falls as a marketing problem. I think you nailed it on the head there because when people run onto the website and they look at their backpack, they look at their gear list and they say, my God, my backpack is the heaviest item. It weighs five pounds, you know, empty. And so if I just make one of these half, you know, eight half pound bags, great. You know, that'll solve so much weight problems and boom, they get it. And they leave their 40 pounds of gear <laughs> in this yeah. super lightweight the last, thing. The last thing you do of the big three. Most, exactly. Most of right. That's why I always tell people it's like, get everything else out, then graduate to getting a lightweight backpack. But, yeah. but trying to get that marketing message and that educational yeah. message out there is a real challenge because they jump on the website, they see the weight, and the first next thing they do is they click on buy. And yeah. they don't read the description. They don't read your marketing thing and your educational thing like, don't do this. This can only have a 20-pound capacity or 10-kilo capacity. Yeah. It's, 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 a, it's a real problem. And by the way, even in my case, in when I did the CDT in 2007, I was carrying I, – I went through – Four, not one, not one, not two, but four backpacks. It was not made out of Cuban fiber. Um, I, my my tarp was, but my my backpack was made out of a. It wasn't still nylon. It was a, even thinner. It was like a spinnaker yeah. fabric or something like that. Yeah. And um, 
I tried to baby it, but God, you know, I was going early season and I just, I, you know, I just thrashed it. It was, it was almost 6,000 miles of hiking. So of course, and so therefore I went through one every, I don't know, what is that? 1,500 miles. Yeah. Well, the materials like that, if they don't have the right ripstop, they, I mean, a little branch, you hit it just right. It makes yeah. a little slice. Right. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> you fillet it. Boy. exactly and then and if you got to go through a desert section you got to carry a lot of water etc so yeah. that was the challenge so um would you say that oh, s- since you've been with z-packs for uh 15 years or so uh, nine and a half years i've been i'm sorry 10 years okay so almost 10 years um you would all you would agree that in general they've also had to you've you've put some it's not that you've gotten rid of the ultralight stuff it's more that you've had to add some of the heavier items options out there for for to kind of expand your reach well no i I wouldn't i wouldn't categorize it that way basically it's like what we've done is found found how far you can push certain fabrics is what i would say so i would say maybe maybe we were pushing too hard to get uh certain durability out of a certain fabric and we learned that you can't it wasn't that like we were carrying both now like uh, that super duper ultralight version and then like a heavier duty version because we try to carry the one best in our opinion version of everything. Right. So it's, we had to make changes to that product. And and, in this, in this sense, it was material choices to make sure that it could do what it needed it to do. And so I think we've just learned, we we've learned through experience, you know, how far you can push some fabric. So like I mentioned the, the zero, having to be upgraded to a thicker material, which is now the Nero, right? So we saw companies like, uh, I think Palanti's pack did tried, tried the same thing. 1.43 got out there for a couple runs, not durable enough. Appalachian ultralight 1.43 got out there. Wasn't durable enough. It was like, we watched them go through that same learning curve that we had to go through. And like, you know, you know, it's like uh, nothing against those companies. Like, uh, you know, Palanti's is great. I don't, I don't know if Appalachian Ultra is still around, but I mean, they had a funny Instagram at least. Uh, but, but that's one of those things where it's like, you, you know, that experience when you see somebody make uh, the same choices that you made, like we saw what was coming, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, so, you know, it's not just an us thing. It's the materials have a certain capabilities and we've just through experience found out what those capabilities are at this point. All right. Take me, Matt, into one of your executive meetings where all the big hitters at Z-Packs are around a table and you guys are discussing your next product. Who's mm-hmm. slamming their fist on the table and saying, no, it's got to be lighter. And then you're slamming your fist saying, no, it's got to be heavier. No, don't use that fabric. I mean, these gotta have, they have to have some religious kind of passionate debates over these issues. I imagine like, don't add that extra ounce. I will strangle you right now. Uh, so, so every so i think we get passionate sometimes about that and sometimes about some other things right but i think at the, at the end of the day you know the simon senek's golden circle it's not about it's not what you do or how you do it it's why you do it right and so you know you start with why right and and our why is we are obsessed with creating the light the lightest functional version of everything available basically right so it's like so those are our parameters. Light, light is number one, but it doesn't make it. Light doesn't matter at all if you can't achieve function, right? And so sometimes, sometimes the argument is function, right? Is like 
is this going to do what we need it to do? And then that's where a difference of opinion can come in. And, uh, but you know, all of our stuff is very, it's minimalist. It's utilitarian design. All like, we're not afraid to show, to show our sewing. We don't add an extra seam to hide stuff. It's not about that. It's about doing the least amount possible to achieve the most. Right. And, uh, so those are where the discussions come in. Does it need a loop here? Does it not need a loop here? Does it need webbing or cord or shock cord or a buckle or not? It's like those are the it's the function things that, that really cause the great debates because sometimes that's a matter of perspective. Like it's a need to have, nice to have, want to have type of perspective on like the accessories. But we try to keep everything functionally as simple as possible. And then the the materials themselves, we know how to reinforce. Like that's with the experience, we know how how much padding you need. We know what webbing you need and uh, you know how big the reinforcement needs to be or does it need a reinforcement at all? Um, so it's really about the function now that we really have the great debates. So you don't have Joe on one side of the spectrum and you're on the other side of the spectrum or some, some something like that or some in design engineer on the other side. It's not like some sort of you know, Republicans versus Democrats, kind of like fiery, like. Yeah, Joe, Joe's always the hardest to sell to, right? Like if he, okay. if he, if he comes like, you know, it, basically we got a three, a, a three headed dragon. And, and Joe is the founder CEO, by the way, for those yeah, who not. Yeah. Yeah. Joe's the founder CEO and, and the designer of just about everything that the Z-Packs has ever made. Not everything, but almost everything. Right. And so it's basically him, our CEO, Buzz and myself are, are the three guys slamming their hands on the table when it comes to, to those design choices uh, at the moment, right? Um, if, if it's an idea that Buzz or I have, sometimes it takes a little bit more convincing. We, we have to sell Joe on do we need the product at all? And then then we go into the feature set, you know? And then vice versa. You know, sometimes Buzz and I have to fight back against Joe and like we're like, well, this is too much like something we already have or what need is this really filling? So, you know, our, our goal really at the end of the day, when we are all said and done is to have a complete line all the way across the board. Like there shouldn't be a gap in our shelter line. There shouldn't be a gap in our backpack line or our sleeping bag line or our accessory line. If you're going to, with the exception of uh, some clothing, not all of it, but with the exception of, of clothing, like if you carry it, if a typical long distance backpacker carries it, we should have our version of it. And if we can't make it, then we will, we will come up with a what we want to see and then we'll pay someone to make it for us. You know, something like the trekking poles or something like that. Right. And, and so how are you filling those gaps in the future? Uh, like in 2020, what are you looking to do yeah, as far as no. gaps that you you've identified? Yeah. So we're currently in the final stages of just doing a general full market research, our cottage competitors, our big competitors, everything like that. And we're going through and we're seeing, is there anything that these these companies are carrying that we don't carry, right? Mm-hmm. And then then we're like, do any of those things make sense to us? And uh, you know, at the end, and that's really that's really where we're going because you know. And then there's also things that we're carrying that we don't make yet, so that those are on those lists too. It's really just a matter of keeping keeping our eyes on the community as a whole, looking at pe- light, people's lighter packs and making sure that we're not that we're somehow haven't missed something. And like really just making sure we have have everything, you know? Are you guys going to be focusing more on clothing or sleeping bags or backpacks or shelters or just 
who knows at this point i mean i can't, i mean i don't i can't let too many cats out of the bag you know what i'm saying but um <clears throat> basically if you went across all of our all of the lines all of the big 3 i think i th- i think you're going to see something new and probably almost all of them definitely accessories definitely some clothing stuff okay. um you know but we don't have an intention any intentions of being like patagonia and carrying like 8 million things it's anything we do in clothing would be the same thing we do in tents. We want like the best one, like, you know, if it's, if, if it was a pair of shorts, I mean, I'm just throwing things out. If it was a pair of shorts, we wouldn't have 15 pairs of shorts. We'd have one pair of shorts. Um, you know, same thing like that. If it was a technical shirt, it'd be one. We don't, we're not a apparel company, but at the same time we can use that same approach to our gear the same way in clothing and making sure that we're, we're creating something that fits within the, Z, Z packs like architecture, you know. Now, have you guys ever gotten into a situation when when I say you guys, I imagine you and Joe have gone backpacking together. But even if you haven't, um, have you gotten in a situation personally where you went stupidly light, where you carried so little gear, and then you got a rainstorm or a snowstorm or some other hazard that you're like, oh boy, I'm over my head. <laughs> Uh, one time was a mis- one time w- was a mistake, <laughs> and one time was on purpose. Uh, one time I went on a hike and I forgot to put a sleeping bag in there at all. Somehow I don't know how that happened, but I got to camp. I would, I, I would love to see your face when you got to camp. <laughs> and it was cold too, man. <laughs> like so, I got to camp. And Where I were took- you at that point? Uh, I w- this was a winter trail trip on the Florida trail, but it was still in the forties at night and that's cold Florida cold. Cause there's so, it's so much moisture in the air. Florida cold is cold, man. It's yeah. colder than 40 other places. But, uh, so I took everything out of my pack and, uh, no, no, no sleeping bag. <laughs> so all my clothes and I'm in the fetal position trying to not die. Were you alone? Uh, no, I had somebody else with me, but not, it wasn't. I wasn't bad enough where I, where I had to cuddle with somebody else yet. Okay. <laughs> you know, yeah, I had the supermodel with me, but I, luckily I didn't have to cuddle with yeah. her. <laughs> the supermodel had a fantastic red beard on. Exactly. It wasn't red beard, but it was. Uh, exactly. And then another time, uh, we went out. Joe and I went out to. Uh, sorry, OR. sorry. Let's go back. I'm just curious, like how exactly you forget your sleeping bag? Like, in other words, was uh, it? I'm curious was it, was it just sitting there in your when you got back to your home? Was it just sitting there in your bedroom, like waiting on your bed or something like that, in an obvious place, or was it stashed away? I don't even remember. Okay, <laughs> to be honest with you, I <laughs> because I mean, I could see yourself like uh, you know putting all the stuff on your bed or on your floor, saying, "Okay, I got to carry all the stuff," and for whatever reason, you forget it. But then I guess another possibility is you just didn't bring it in the first place. But regardless, it's a, that's a hilarious story, especially for such a monumentally big, the biggest item in your backpack. You were probably so proud of yourself while you were walking down the trail. You're like saying, I'm a badass. Look at me. It's so light. That's what I'm talking about to everybody. You're like, I'm telling you, you got to go ultra light. See this? <laughs> Leave two of your big three at home. No, uh, <laughs> starting with that trip, I started printing out my gear list and okay. marks on it as I filled my pack. <laughs> Um, and then another time we went out to, um, Salt Lake city for OR and, uh, 
So we went to O. I think it was Friday. Oh, right? uh, tell people uh, O R Outdoor Retailer, which yeah. is a uh, now it's in Denver, but it used to always be in Salt Lake City. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like the big summer show for all like outdoor gear manufacturers and things like mm-hmm. that. You know, everything from canoes to backpacks to shoes, whatever. So we went to the event Friday, <clears throat> and then we left in the afternoon. We drove up to the mountains, and uh, so we were gonna hike a few hours, uh, camp, get up in the morning and hike to the top of Lone Peak, which is almost like, I think it's almost 12,000 feet or something like that. Like uh, 6,000 feet of elevation gain in six miles or something. It's pretty intense. But so we started hiking up. We found this nice little spot to, to cowboy camp. And then, you know, cause we're pretty high up at this point. We look out and there's like a thunderstorm off in the distance, <laughs> like lightning and like the clouds were like, so no tent. I had my sleeping bag this time, but no tent. But by design, by design, the weather said 0% chance of rain. And uh, that thing got closer and closer, but we, it didn't hit us. But, man, I was, uh, <laughs> I was definitely uh, not happy. Okay, so, but, but you, you were not happy, but for just for the, the fear reasons. In other words, it's not like actually – and you never actually suffered through it. Yeah, I didn't have to, I, I didn't have to suffer through it. And, so and the weather forecast I, was right in the end. Yes, uh, it was right in that spot, <laughs> but not around. <laughs> but yeah, so that I probably would never ever do that again. No, oh, really? You'll never? What? I mean, come on! If you're going to go to the Mojave never, Desert, I'm probably never going to go hiking again where I don't carry my tent, just in case. But come on, Mojave Desert, dude. <laughs> I don't know. Well, maybe that. Well, it rains in the desert too, man. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> You've been scarred for life. Yeah. <laughs> I bring a tarp maybe so I can use it for shade in the desert. Having no shelter sometimes can also really help you hone in on your other survival skills and, and yeah. teach you how to like make a shelter or find a cave or find some sort of yeah. other, you know, other things, you know, do the bear grills thing and, or the survivor man thing. And, and, uh, and, and it builds those confidence of the skills. So I, I wouldn't, the other thing is a poncho tarp. Maybe yeah. Try. Yeah, you can. Yeah, you can get away with it. I mean, I wouldn't mind. I could sit in my rain suit on the ground and crying if I had to. <laughs> what products at Z-Packs are you most proud of? Um, <clears throat> most proud of. So, I mean, this is a hard question because it really, I really have to ask myself, which, what do I think proud means? Okay, like, okay, okay. Let me ask you a different way then. Hold on, Matt. Uh, let me ask you a different way. In other words, when you go to, let's say, these OR shows, these big conventions and you're like you see a bunch of backpacks and you're like oh those are really nice backpacks this is nice shelter whatever but then you might say to yourself you know i could see myself using this backpack from gossamer gear i could see myself using this you know from my competitors but i would never want to trade this thing from z packs because nobody else comes that close to making something like this because we in this category we kick ass we are the we we I mean, we've nailed this one. We the duplex kicks the most ass of any of our products, like by that's far. A tent. Yeah, it's like I mean that's as big of a home run as you can hit. I think any company in our space or or a similar space would. I mean, it's a blessing to have a product that has uh, taken such a hold in the community as a whole. It doesn't matter you know, a lot of tons of people are using the duplex that are loyal to other companies, you know, and it's just, this is a tent that kind of transcends, you know, all of that, you know, even, even people who don't particularly like us as a company still will use uh, the duplex or another shelter because 
it's that good, right? right. Um, but <clears throat> in terms, I, in terms of innovation, where like we sat down and we kind of like, I don't want to say reinvented the wheel because right, that's pretty grandiose to say. But our um, the frame system on our arc arc frame backpacks, um, you know. The way we were able to create such a lightweight external frame backpack, it's got it has two different patents on it. One is for the um, the frame being held under tension the way that it is, and then also the it's a very unique. I mean, I've, I mean, I've never seen anything like it. The way that our um, shoulder straps are independently adjustable uh, within a range, and that has that technique. The way that we're doing that, that has a patent on it as well, and it's. It lets you like if your shoulder you've got a medical issue and your shoulders are like a little bit different or something like you can really lock in the shoulder straps individually and I you know I just think the even the way the belt is interchangeable and attached like the, that whole frame system and the adjustable shoulder thing I think that's you know you know uh, I'm biased because I had a hand a hand in it you know in the in the design of that but that's the thing I'm probably the most proud of because I would say that was where probably the thing we've done that involved the most most innovation you know would, and, that, uh, would that also be your funkiest item your strangest item would you say no, i wouldn't say that not necessarily i mean at the end it there's other external frame backpacks there's other backpacks that have have some sort of curve to the back of them right we just got there in a, in a really unique way mm-hmm. but i mean you know and what's the name of that product again matt yeah just any of the arc blast, the arc hall, arc zip, arc scout, anything that has that arc frame in it uh, in terms of a backpack, right? Got it. Uh, I think that's cool. The weirdest product or like funkiest product, as you say, um, it's probably a two-parter because it, it completes a look. <laughs> is uh, We don't sell it anymore, but it was uh, our pointy hat um, that, that zipped and made, it was a sit pad in combination with something we do sell, it's out of stock right now, but we still sell it, is our carbon fiber staff. So our owner, Joe, his trail name Samurai Joe, and he got it because he had this pointy hat that looked like, you know, like a, a rice paddy hat, you know, um, and, uh, and, he would, and he hiked with his staff. And so from a distance, his silhouette looked like he was some sort of like samurai or a ninja coming, you know, coming across. Or Gandalf. And, yeah, or, or Gandalf, right? And so then there was a, just a funny little story. We did the TGO challenge, which is a, uh, uh, you design your own route and you go coast to coast across Scotland. And so 2014, we're in the middle of, uh, you know, the bogs in the middle of nowhere in the highlands of Scotland. And we run into this, uh, Englishman and Joe's got his pointy hat on. He's got his, his staff and he always hikes in sandals to this day. He's th- he's, he threw, he, he triple crowned in sandals through blizzards and sandals. It doesn't like, so he's got his sandals, his, uh, you know, his pointy hat and his staff. And this guy was so blown away. He's like, oh, my, I can't believe you're out here in sandals and you've got this hat and the staff. And the guy actually took the hat off Joe's head, put it on, and hiked off. It's <laughs> <laughs> so, so like three days later, we ran into him in this little village and he, and he finally gave the hat back. But it was just like. <laughs> and, and Joe was just sitting there with his mouth open. He didn't go after and chase the guy. Well, he thought it was funny. I mean, okay. you know, but it's just a, uh, you know, that the, they're such they were such together, no less. Just so, like a such a funky type of item that's very uncommon, and just when you put it together, just the the look. I think that was, uh, you know, but it fits in Samurai Joe. It makes it made sense, you know. But uh, I think those are like the 
funkiest things. I mean, still the carbon fiber staff is like a, a fairly unusual product. Not many people hike with one trekking pole, even let alone a, a larger staff, but to watch Joe like use two hands when he's pushing himself up like a mountain or something like that. It's like a, just a whole nother, the visual is so distinct, you know? Yeah, definitely. Um, that is a funny uh, accessory that to add to your list. Now, oh, my two favorite backpacking companies, and I've looked at all of them extensively, are Z-Packs and Gossamer Gear. I also have, I have also liked the stuff that Mountain Laurel Designs uh, produces as well. But you two, uh, Gossamer Gear and Z-Packs, are my favorite, and they have been for the last 10 years or so. So I wanted to know what you think is how you differentiate yourself from those two of the, the two other companies I really kind of recommend often. First off, let's, I mean, there's a ton of great companies in the ultralight uh, hiking gear space from cottage companies to even even some of the bigger companies are uh, taking notice and making changes. There's there's a you know, there's a ton of great stuff out there. Um, so I don't want to say anything to like pretend that that's not happening. Right. Uh, some really cool stuff's happening. Um, but I think at the end of the day, our focus, like when I go back to like a, that obsession with the like lightest functional version, right? So the, the designs themselves, uh, maybe from, maybe if you don't understand that we're doing it on purpose, a more like we have a more of an unrefined raw look. There's a lot more raw edges and undefined things like that. And that's by design. Like I said, we're not, we're not adding an extra piece of webbing or hiding something in a, a seam that we had to create in order to hide it. You know, it's like, it's, we're, we're really doing the bare minimum on purpose by design to achieve the lightest functional version of it. Right. Because as Joe has demonstrated in his apparel and his pointy hat, looks don't matter when you're on the trail. Yeah. Well, to a certain, right. Like <laughs> that was something that was a, a, a thing that took a long time to come along is, thinking about aesthetics, even if it's the color of the material and nothing else, you know, but I mean, that did come along. But so, so I think you take the design, right. And then the next step you would go to is the materials, right. The technical materials. So it's like, we've seen a lot of companies come and go in terms of uh, who's using certain materials. Right. And I think, like I said, we were one of the first companies to really commit to using Dyneema composite fabric, uh, whether that be shelters or backpacks. Right. And I still think that commitment is very strong. There's not many companies who are using that material and the ones that are using that material aren't coming in at the weights that we are. And so that's a mix, mix of that design, you know what I'm saying? And then, you, you know, then how much they're trying to appeal maybe to the everyman versus the more committed, uh, you know, hiker or whatever. So designs, materials, and those two things together achieve the weight, right? Which is huge. That's where we beat just about everyone everywhere. There are certain things that like we're neck and neck. There's certain, certain people might beat us a tiny bit here, but then, you know, we could make an argument about functionality or not functionality, or like we, we have the experience to know that it, it might not be a long-term, a viable long-term solution or something like that. Right. So you got designs, materials, the weights, uh, you know, the experience at this point, 15 years, you, you can trust our designs are going to last, uh, you know, and that you're, you're going to get your money's worth out of us because we have 15 years of experience doing it. That res results in a tremendous amount of social proof from YouTube reviews to blog reviews to gear site reviews, whatever it is. Like there's a tremendous amount of social proof that builds the trust 
in our in our designs um you know and so that that's a huge thing that's something that not a lot of companies have i know gossamer gear has been around longer than i think there was 2000 or something like that right but like yeah but like you said they they have made a substantial change away from the fabrics they're using some heavier fabrics and things like that right Mm. um another thing that by the way that's and by the way sorry to interrupt but that's one reason why i often recommend gossamer gear because I'm often talking to a quote unquote average backpacker who doesn't have this kind of, uh, mental, uh, training to baby a lightweight stuff and have that discipline. Ultimately it comes down to a lot of discipline in, in, in packing and stuff like that. And so, um, some people that just don't have that and may never have that are not interested in that, or they're going to be going, or sometimes they'll get an ask. I'm Francis. I'm going to be going, uh, traveling for like five months in Europe. I'm like, okay, yeah. well, you need to take a tougher backpack. You don't want to take an ultra light one because you're going to be staying in hostels and you're going to be throwing it around the train and doing all sorts of stuff, plus backpacking. You'd be surprised how what DCF can handle that too in a certain ways, but yeah. But right. uh, but, but yeah. again, it goes back to the, the end user. Not all yeah. users are going to be that disciplined. So that's why I sometimes say, okay, add a few uh, grams of weight and then have a slightly tougher uh, experience. But, but for those who want the lightest and you know the best designs, then I agree, uh, Z-Packs is, is probably your, should be your first choice. Yeah, we appreciate that. And I think after that, there's just a couple things really that like if you're, if you're looking at all, all the uh, ultralight industry as a whole, right? Like I said, variety. Our goal is to try to like, offer every single thing that you would that you would carry in your pack right and so it's like we take that same approach and that social proof that we have in the other things gives you the trust to know that we've done our due diligence with everything that we're carrying right Mm -hmm. so it's kind of a little bit of a one-stop shop you know another thing uh, you can look at within the industry is the lead times some people have no lead times uh, especially the people who don't make things in the u.s you know they're ordering bigger batches but a lot of the stuff made in the U.S. in the ultralight uh, realm, you know, have, has a much longer lead time than what we're doing. And then, you know, I just touched on it. The last thing is, you know, we're made in the United States. Like uh, right now, basically everything that we sell that's sewn is made in the U.S., but with the exception of gooses and goose socks, that's made right here in our facility in West Melbourne, Florida, like right in the window behind me. Right. So, you know, you know with that, you know, it comes a premium that we have to pay. But, you know, it gives us flexibility. We can make uh, design changes on the fly. We have a lot of control over what's going on, you know, it, you know, and we're helping the community too, you know. Excellent. Matt, it's been an absolute pleasure talking with you. Thank you so much for enlightening us about the Z-Packs, what's going on. Last question is 2020s. What do you envision? You know, 2020. What are, yeah, the uh, 2020s. Yeah. You're like what new innovations? Are things just going to keep getting lighter? I have this here, I have this fantasy, this long fantasy of having mm-hmm. a space blanket that actually emits heat so that yeah. you've got you can get rid of your entire sleeping bag and you have this space blanket sized thing and that emits heat. Somehow it, it works with solar power. You put it on the sun, it stores the heat, and then you push a button and it releases the heat. Of course, this will never happen, at least probably not in our lifetimes. <laughs> but but you just, put the, you just put the idea in my head. So give okay. me some time. Uh, no, so tw- what's 2020 going to bring? Um, Not 2020, the 2020s, the decade of the, the 2020s. What's the whole decade going to bring in terms yeah. of ultralight? I just think, I think at the end of the, the design is the design, right? So like, I mean, you can't, you can't reinvent the wheel so much all the time, right? 
Mm-hmm. So really, I just see more technical fabrics being able to achieve lighter weights and more strength and durability. Uh, I think that's probably probably what you're going to see is just you know it's just, you know just like a Corvette, like you know what a Corvette was made out of in the 50s and the 60s is not what a Corvette's made out of now. But it's the same. You're making the same product. You just you just have access to new technology. And I think, you know, we're going to we'll personally keep pushing everywhere we can from components to webbing to binding tape to, you know, technical fabrics. Um, We're always going to be on the lookout for the most technical thing. So I just I would just say you're probably going to see weights be able and, you know, diminishing returns. Maybe let's see. Right. But you're probably going to be able to see, you know, maybe you can knock three to five ounces off of of a backpack more than we have now, maybe another three or four ounces off a shelter. I mean, you know, already our duplex shelter is like 18 ounces as it is, right? But I mean, but our plex mid shelter is like 15. It's a one-person shelter. But if you could get that 18 down to 15, now you've got a two-person shelter that weighs less than a pound. I mean, you've got a backpack that weighs like less than a pound and a half. Your ba- your sleeping bag weighs a pound and a quarter. You know, now all of a sudden, you know, at the end of the day, your base weight is, you know, you know six to eight pounds six to ten pounds depending on who you are Um, and you know right now for a lot of people that sounds outrageous to be able to have a base weight of even eight ounces but like you could take someone who has a a 12 you said eight ounces you meant you mean eight pounds i mean what eight pounds eight pounds pounds. so you could take somebody now who's got a base weight of 12 pounds and without changing anything just getting the new version and the new material like take them from 12 uh, pounds to eight pounds or something you know, it just just think about the the doors you would open for people, especially with health or like uh, or people who are just pushing themselves, trying to set fastest known times, things like that. Just how much easier you're going to make people's lives in the backcountry. Totally, totally, Matt. Uh, I look forward to seeing the innovations coming out of ZPacks. I appreciate your time. And uh, for those who want to know more about you, I assume it's just ZPacks dot com, right? Yeah, correct. That's it. Okay. All right, man. I appreciate you having me on. And that concludes this episode of the WanderLearn podcast, where we explore travel technology and transformation. If you'd like to see the show notes with links to what we talked about, or if you'd like to comment on the show, or if you'd like to ask me a question, then go to WanderLearn.com and click on this episode. Tour Radar sponsored this episode and is also sponsoring an amazing travel contest for the WanderLearn audience. Every month, enter to win a new Tour Radar contest for a chance to win a life-changing travel adventure. To toss your name into the hat, just go to tourradar.com slash wanderlearn. If you'd like to connect with me, just remember FTAPON. That's my first initial and my last name. FTAPON is the username I use on all social media. You can also get to my website by going to ftapon.com. And here's one more reason to remember FTAPON. If you like what I do and would like to get rewarded for supporting my projects, then go to patreon.com slash FTAPON. That's where you can pick up some remarkable rewards for as little as $2 a month. And now, five quick favors. Number one, subscribe to the WanderLearn podcast. Two, don't forget to download it. Three, share it. Four, review it. And then five, sign up for my newsletter at wanderlearn.com. Our theme music was composed by Eric Stratman. This is France Tapon encouraging you to wander and learn.